the Ben Coley Podcast. Hello, you're listening to the second episode of the Ben Coley Podcast, which is where I basically talk to you about my favourite unsigned artists at the moment. Also, I'll be giving you my commentary on the latest music news, my favourite song of the week and my favourite album of the week. So it's effectively a snapshot of the past week in music or so. So if you're like me and you love all different sorts of genres and it's not just one particular genre that you're into, then consider this a quick pit stop in music where you can touch base with some different sounds and collect some new tunes in the process as well. Any artist suggestions or questions that you've got for any future episodes, please hit me up on any of my socials. So that's at BenColey97 on Twitter or underscore BenColey on Instagram. Or you can email me now. I've got a little email address up and running, the Podcast at gmail.com. Fire over some suggestions. I'd love to hear them. All of the unsigned artists that I feature in this first half of this episode have been contacted. They're the sole copyright holders of their music, so I've been given full permission to use snippets of their songs. Now, obviously, later in the episode, I can't use or I can't play the music from signed artists, but to get the most out of what I'm talking about, I throw in some time references so that you can go and drop yourself into uh, a particular song that I'm talking about so that you can, you know, fully understand what I'm going on about. Let's go. Episode two, Under the Radar Music. And there's been some really impressive artists that I've stumbled across lately. So I found it a bit of a tricky one trying to whittle it down to three unsigned artists that I love. The three unsigned artists that I've managed to eventually pick, I'm fully confident in saying that all of them will go on to have a big career in music. I think they're all so talented and the production that you're going to be hearing, the quality of the songwriting that you're going to be hearing, the attributes that they bring to the table, are so way beyond an artist of their size. They really are going on to massive things. So first up, Emily Lita. Uh, she's an unsigned soul and R&B artist based in London, and she's half Kiwi and half Italian. You, you may think, well, what sort of relevance does her heritage have? But you can really hear that she brings lots of different multicultural uh, influences into the songs that she's writing. It's got kind of this world sound to it, which is really nice to hear because it makes each song you hear so refreshing and flavorful. Uh, and she specializes in basically writing a beautiful and stunning mix of contemporary R&B, as well as little, uh, little tinges of neo-soul that are thrown into the mix. And she also loves to throw in a bit of funk into her songs as well. So a great song which is sort of the perfect stepping stone into her music, I would say is her latest single called Plus One. This is a great place to start if you want to get into her. It's very much her centered in the lower register of her voice. It's very reminiscent of early 90s R&B and she's got a lot of power in that lower register of her voice. So I'm hearing quite a lot of Mary J Blige or even uh, Keisha Cole in there. But when she's singing in a lower voice, in terms of a, a current modern artist that she reminds me of it's very much Lana Del Rey so check this out this is uh, the first little clip that I've got to show you of a new single called Plus One already really catchy and you're only a matter of seconds into the song. When it comes to the chorus, I love the backing vocals. It kind of adds that classic 
lush R&B vocal arrangement into the mix. And also, she sounds effortless when she sings, which, you know, you may just think that's a natural gift, but you have to work really hard to sound effortless when you sing. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. I also love the high uh, reverb guitar parts that you hear creeping in. And also, there's some funky bass that sounds really good. The song's quite busy already. There's already quite a lot going on instrumentally in terms of the bass, the vocal arrangements, so on and so forth. So it just needs that real simple beat to just kind of keep it going, trundle it along, tie it all together. Here's the drop down. And in the drop down, Emily starts to experiment with some really cool sounds. So vocally, um, you can hear that it's got quite a sort of distant, echoey effect, which I think works well. And then, um, I don't know what this is. It's like a... I'd best describe it as like a cartoon laser gun sound and it kind of fades in as quickly as it fades out. Uh, it's kind of got this like Doppler effect, but it works really well. See what you think. the sexiness and um, attention to detail that you'd want from an artist that's really trying to break into the R&B scene and make a statement and I'm really excited to see where she goes and she's also hinted on her social media that she's got some more music to release in 2020 and that she's going to be doing plenty of live performances so head over to her social media the link will be in the description and you'll be able to check out exactly what she's up to. Okay, so next up is Henry Grace, um, and he's a singer-songwriter. What Henry Grace is bringing to the table is something that's a little bit different, and I think that he's found a sound that if he manages to salvage that and work on that sound a little bit more, moving forward, he could really make massive waves in that genre, which is already quite saturated. So he's a UK native, and he began his music career in Los Angeles. So he moved out there, I think, at quite a young age. And he started out playing small clubs in the Venice Beach area, and then he went on to play a load of different prestigious and well-known sought-after venues in California. This EP that he's brought out most recently, in 2018, is called What We Took From The Mountain. And this is about him exploring new territories. So Missouri is the track that I'm gonna be talking about from that EP. The song comes in straight away with what sounds like a steel lap guitar or kind of a mandolin. I wasn't too sure what it was, but when I saw a video of him uh, performing a song of his, it turns out he's playing a steel lap guitar. So it makes this kind of quite brittle, metallic sound but I think it works quite well. It kind of reminds me um, of another singer-songwriter called Tallest Man on Earth. So let's see what you think of the intro to this song. Headlights along the highway Remind me yeah, I mean, such a beautiful voice. And I think his voice opens up a little bit more in the chorus. And the lyrics are stunning as well. When you listen to the chorus, it says, all of my love, I'll send it to you. Quite a simple lyric, but the way he sings it, it comes across really uh, sincere. And all of my love, I send it to you. 
There's a lot of breathing space in the song. It's nice and airy and light. Um, but as the song moves forward, it starts to starts to open up a little bit more instrumentally. So there's kind of the addition of some like sort of distant wailing guitars that kind of creep into the mix. And the drums become a little bit busier as well. They kind of start to come in in a marching fashion. And then there's the, uh, the addition in the last chorus of some choral work and you hear these voices um, that are really low down. You can't hear them unless if you listen quite carefully, but it, it adds so much and just gives it a little lift. So Henry Grace, I think, rivals, you know, even some of the more popular singer-songwriters that you would have already heard of at the moment. Okay, we got a Miracle Glass Company, who are a band that, I mean, that they're clearly very confident in what they're doing. I certainly would find it difficult to argue against the fact that they're probably one of the most exciting rock bands that I've heard in a while, particularly the fact that they're unsigned. I can't believe that they haven't already been picked up by... A major label. So from what I've heard, they're really they're really a band to be getting on board with. They're three piece from Edinburgh. They're based up in Scotland, and the members are Austin George, William Douglas, and Andy Duncan. Get a feel for what they get up to. So that's Miracle Glass Company's latest track called BB22. I'm hearing a lot of late 60s, early 70s rock influences. For some reason, I'm hearing a little bit of Fleetwood Mac in there. And also, I'm going to use the B word, the, the Beatles word, because it's so easy these days to say, we're influenced by the Beatles. The Beatles have really influenced us. Yeah, I mean, the Beatles have influenced just about everyone. I think you need to tread carefully when you say, oh, you can hear the Beatles influence in there. But in terms of the melodies that they're writing, in terms of the vocal arrangements, where it's like three three part harmonies in some cases, or the band are all singing in unison, it is very Lennon McCartney, I think. Um, but the chorus, like you just heard, it's catchy as anything. It's anthemic. It comes off this simple bluesy chord progression. But I want to get into the verse because this is where you hear the fact that Miracle Glass Company can actually write a really good melody. Yeah, the vocalist just has so much confidence in what he's doing. The band sound insane behind him. They, You can tell that their musicianship's incredible. Check out the last little bit of the song. And this is where they start to let some sort of psychedelia creep in. So 
So they've got some gigs coming up that you need to get to if you can, because I've read a few gig reviews of theirs online and people seem to love them live. They're meant to be incredible. So on Thursday, uh, December the 26th, which is coming up very soon, they're playing at the Record Factory in Glasgow. So if you're up that way, if you're in that neck of the woods, go and check them out Thursday, December the 26th. And they've got a new album coming out and they've got their album launch party on March the 14th, 2020. And that's going to be at King Tut's Wawa Hut, which is a really, really good venue. I've, I've heard really good things about it. So that's going to be their album launch gig and their new album that's coming out is called uh, MGC2. Okay, music news. And I would be, I think I'd be a bit of an idiot if I didn't start off with perhaps the, for me anyway, the biggest piece of music news of the year. Um, and that is coming from quite a biased perspective because I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but John Frusciante is rejoining the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm so chuffed about that. It means it's the departure of their current guitarist, Josh Klinghoffer, who has been with the band for the last 10 years and having seen the Chili's live a couple of times in the past 10 years with their current guitarist, Josh Klinghoffer, even though he had massive shoes to fill, filling the shoes of, uh, you know, the famous John Frusciante, He's incredible. Live, I thought he was fantastic. And even though the first record I'm with you, he kind of took a bit of a back step and it, it was like he wasn't really too confident. With their latest album called uh, The Getaway, I thought he did a really good job on that. I thought there was some really nice guitar work. So don't get me wrong, he's incredible. And, you know, if you're going to be a guitarist in Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know your stuff. But the Red Hot Chili Peppers basically released a statement on their Instagram saying this. The Red Hot Chili Peppers announced that we are parting ways with our guitarist of the past 10 years, Josh Klinghoffer. Josh is a beautiful musician who we respect and love. We are deeply grateful for our time with him and the countless gifts he has shared with us. Then they went on to say, we also announced with great excitement and full hearts that John Frusciante is rejoining our group. Just, just you know, casually just dropping that little bomb in at the end. So to get an idea of where John Frusciante fits into the timeline of the band, he joined uh, after the death of their original guitarist, Hillel Slovak, in 1989. And that was just before the release of their sort of first breakthrough album that was called Mother's Milk. He then left in 1992 uh, because he had some very well-documented uh, problems with drugs. But then he later joined in 19... Uh, 1998 until he eventually departed again in 2009. The reason why John Frusciante is so, so famous is I'd say his playing and his guitar tone perhaps defined a generation of rock. Uh, it really is such a signature sound and he wrote some of just the best riffs going and songs. He, he wrote Danny California, Dosed, Desecration Smile, Wet Sand. So he wrote some of the biggest Chili Peppers tunes. I think this is going to be a massive return to form for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The reason being, Josh Klinghoffer was great, but like I said earlier, the couple of albums that they brought out recently haven't been their strongest. The thing that will be interesting though is to see how he approaches the songs that Josh Klinghoffer wrote. So how's John Frusciante going to put his own take on songs off The Getaway and also songs off I'm With You? It'd be quite interesting to see how that works. But I just can't wait for the Chili Peppers to be back together. I genuinely had like a bit of a childlike, excitable feeling when I heard that, you know, John Frusciante was rejoining. She's one of those artists where whether you listen to her or not, when you see her live, you're guaranteed gonna love her and she's gonna have so many tunes that you think, oh yeah, that's that's a Taylor Swift song. I love that. Um, if I'm gonna be 
talking about music news, I think it would be wrong of me not to mention uh, the death of, uh, of course, Juice World. And I know that that's kind of old news now, but I, I, it wasn't mentioned in my last podcast, and I, I want to mention it in this one. I don't really want to speculate or talk about it too much because I think they're still waiting on results from his, his death. It's not, it's not been sort of 100% confirmed how he died. Um, but all I do know is that in different news reports, it's been said that they found sort of loads of drugs and stuff that was on his private jet. I think it it should be sparking a conversation about the, the message that rap's portraying where it's kind of glamorizing drug use, you know, sipping on lean, all the rest of it, and, you know, kind of glamorizing this kind of lifestyle. Yeah, okay, you know, you could argue it's just lyrics, it's harmless enough, but it's perhaps not for everyone. And I think perhaps some people feel like they have to live up to a certain expectation to be in the rap scene, which I don't think should be the case at all. Uh, some metal news. <laughs> Slipknot, they've announced their very own festival, Knotfest, uh, will be coming to the UK for the first time in 2020. And that's the first time that the band have played there since 2001. So the full lineup for Knotfest is yet to be announced. But if you're into your heavy music, you're probably going to love it because in uh, in the USA, which they've already announced for next year at Knotfest, they've got Volbeat, Godura and Behemoth playing. So it's going to be heavy. As a last piece of music news, Jesus Is Born, which is the new Kanye West album, is supposedly going to be dropping next week on Christmas Day, December the 25th. If it's anything like Jesus Is, uh, Jesus is King... I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be a bit disappointed because Jesus is King, it didn't suck. It just, it was a bit underwhelming, I think. That's just the best word to use. It was just, it just didn't live up, did it? Also, is it a bit corny and a bit cliche and a bit cheesy that he's dropping Jesus is Born on Christmas Day? Yeah. Okay, song of the week. There's been some great songs this week. Honourable mention for me has to be Don Tolliver uh, with Can't Feel My Legs. Don Tolliver is an up-and-coming artist writing very much a sort of uh, Travis Scott style of psychedelic trap music. He's actually signed to Travis Scott's label, so Travis Scott's obviously given him a massive leg up, and he's getting quite a lot of attention. But yeah, great track that he brought out called Can't Feel My Legs. So good. But my song of the week I'm going for is... Alec Benjamin, Mind is a Prison. It's brand new from him, and he's a singer-songwriter from Phoenix in Arizona. And you probably best know him from his track, Let Me Down Slowly. He's kind of been all over the radio recently and stuff. Um, I was a big fan of his album that he brought out in 2018. That was called Narrated For You. I think it was just amazingly well-written pop songs, and people like John Mayer were like genuinely plugging it on their Instagram. If you've got John Mayer plugging your album, gonna be pretty good so when you listen to this track right from the off there's this nice muffled piano chord progression it sounds like something off you know like a sam smith song it almost sounds a little bit generic at the start but then you hear alex voice come in and he's got such a fascinating voice because he sounds quite young it almost sounds like his voice actually hasn't broken yet it's so high-pitched considering he's in his 20s and it's also very gentle as well it's got a sort of passenger quality to it um, and his voice just captivates you straight away. He's actually kind of half singing, half rapping. It's a very rhythm-based um, melody that he's singing. The melody doesn't move around much, and you can tell that he's taking quite a lot of influence from rappers because he's squeezing so many lyrics and syllables into each bar of the verse as it goes on. Um, at about 19 seconds in, 
the the song opens up a little bit more. There's the addition of drums, which I think the drums sound a little bit flat, a bit weak. The drum sound isn't that punchy, but it doesn't it doesn't draw any attention away from the song. I don't think it's not like it's a distraction at all. There's also a nice addition of quite a sort of upbeat bass line that's added into the mix, and then at about one minute twenty two, if you go and listen to that section of the song now, there's a really watertight chorus that that's sick to be honest like it's one of the best choruses i've heard in a while um i love the vocal hook when he sings the line alone with my thoughts again and in the chorus he uses this kind of metaphor of climbing up the walls of his mind using bed sheets and ribbons that he's found and he escapes and runs to the hills but then he gets captured and gets dropped back into the prison cell that is his mind it's it's quite a different way of portraying being locked in your own thoughts i think so it's a really good song he's got an amazing voice and i think it's a song that stands out from so many generic pop songs that are being brought out at the moment Album of the week. This is a tough one because there's actually been some really good albums this week. Um, shout out to my mate Adam Kirk who recommended me a really good album. That was Free Nationals and it's their self-titled album called Free Nationals. It was really good. It wasn't quite my album of the week. Um, the reason why is because I think Stormzy has dropped perhaps one of the defining rap albums of the year. Uh, and even though it's arrived late in the year, and it's you know it's just approaching 2020, I I really think that he's he's kind of uh, taken the mantelpiece of just setting the bar so high for a rap album. Yeah, it's 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 really awesome. I really enjoyed it. And also, I don't normally listen to Stormzy whilst he's potentially uh, bragging quite a lot in some songs and doing the classic thing where I'm untouchable, I'm the king. He's also letting his guard down quite a lot. But in terms of him being confident, uh, there's the track Audacity, uh, which features Heady One, which I really enjoy. Um, he's talking about other rappers and haters kind of kind of like nipping at his heels, trying to like drag him down and dissing him and disrespecting him. But he kind of he shakes it off and he's saying that he's headlined Glastonbury and that when he headlined Glastonbury, he felt like God was testing him. There's also a great track called Rainfall that I really enjoyed, which has just a really awesome hook, uh, let the rain fall on my enemies. It's just, it, he just hammers it home, just keeps repeating it. it. sounds really good. I love the production on this as well. And Rainfall is quite tongue in cheek. It, he says that, you know, he can't hear the haters through his Brit Awards and that he's a bigger hitter now on the bigger platform. It's, it's a really good song. But even though he's talking all about being the king of grime, which to be honest, after this album, I think he is. Um, he's also acknowledging that he's a human being, he's got flaws, he's made mistakes, and that given the immense position that he's in, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that, which also brings with it its fair share of negativity. And I think the one song that massively hammers that home is Lessons. That's all about his relationship with Maya Jama. It's actually a really heart-wrenching song. It's, it's, it's really, lyrically, it's absolutely stunning. And it just comes in over these sad piano chords and it just leaves a lot of room for his vocals to be heard. There's also my favorite track on the album called One Second, where He's again battling with his demons. He's saying that he's not the poster boy for mental health and that he doesn't want to be heralded as this kind of hero for speaking out against politics or anything. There's a stunning addition of uh, an artist called Her as well. She's an American Grammy Award winning singer-songwriter and Her sings the chorus. She sings the main hook lines in this song. 
and it comes in with this beautiful R&B style piano. I absolutely love this track. For me, it was the standout track of the whole album. The, the album's actually 16 tracks long, so I'm going to have to give the classic bit of sort of criticism and say you could make it a bit shorter. But if I'm honest, across the 16 tracks, there were probably only one or two moments where I felt like I was switching off or not being quite as interested. On the whole, all of the 16 tracks didn't outstay their welcome. They really engaged me. They really like they were really compelling. So I think Stormzy's done an absolutely insane job. Thank you very much for listening to episode two of the Ben Curley podcast. And as I've said, all of the details for all of the artists that I've mentioned today are down in the description. So go and follow them, go and check them out, go and see what live dates are coming up. I really want you to get on board with some of the artists that I've spoken about. Catch you next time. The Ben Coley Podcast.